1: Money starts right now, live from the Nasdaq market side, overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, Brian Kelly, and Dan Nathan. Tonight on Fast... Check out shares of Nike, one of the best performing Dow stocks this year, soaring after hours. A conference call kicking off right now will bring you the very latest headlines as they break. Plus, pharmacy stocks just got Amazoned as the tech giant dives headfirst into the space. But if history is any guide, these beaten down stocks could be primed to buy. We've got those details. But first, we start off with the banks. A mixed bag at first after facing the Fed's stress test moments ago. But Check out some of the biggest players now. Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, Deutsche Bank City, Wells Fargo, all higher right now. Let's get to Leslie Picker in the newsroom for all the details.
2: Leslie. Hey, Melissa, that's right. Deutsche Bank's U.S. unit failed to receive approval from the Federal Reserve to move forward with its capital plan. The remaining 34 banks tested by the Fed were approved. But Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley will be required to maintain their payouts to levels from recent years. And we've seen that with the <laughs> announcements coming after the close today a so-called conditional non-objection to their capital plans. This result was actually somewhat of a surprise after the two firms issued statements last week hinting that their ability to distribute capital may be better than what appeared from the first stage of the stress test. That's largely thanks to a one-time capital reduction under the new tax law. The Fed also issued a conditional non-objection for the capital plan from State Street over its management of counterparty exposure under stress. No firm that was tested that their plan was rejected on quantitative grounds. Deutsche Bank's U.S. unit failed to receive approval on qualitative grounds. Based on what the Fed determined to be a material weakness in their capital planning process, That will limit Deutsche Bank USA's distributions that it can make to its German parent company. They will need to get approval for any payouts from the Fed. Now, Goldman, Morgan Stanley, and State Street's conditional non-objection was on quantitative grounds. Citi raising its dividend by 41% to 45 cents and allowing a $17.6 billion buyback. JP Morgan boosting its dividend by 43% to 80 cents a share and announcing a $20.7 billion buyback program. Morgan Stanley raising its dividend by by 20% to 30 cents and buying back $4.7 billion worth of stock. And Goldman Sachs raising his dividend to 6% and announcing a $5 billion buyback program. Now, it's important to note that Goldman and Morgan Stanley, of course, received that uh, conditional non-objection from the Fed, meaning that those payouts in totality should be similar to those in recent years. Melissa.
1: All right. Leslie, thank you for that roundup. Leslie Picker in the newsroom. Well, the banks had managed to snap its longest losing streak in decades today. So are these results good enough to spark the rally in the banks that Wall Street has been waiting for? for a very long time for, Tim.
3: Look, I, I'd like to say that this is what people have been waiting for. I don't think we got anything that different other than maybe some of those non-conditionals. So why wouldn't you have priced in Citibank at a 2.8% dividend yield last week, which, by the way, is what it has. And, by the way, I think it's pretty impressive. And, by the way, I think Citi is the most impressive of all of them because of how cheap it trades to the group, probably 15 to 20% cheap. So does this change things for the banks? No, but I'll also tell you, look, the banks, if you had a thesis three months ago about why you were a bull on banks, to me, I've seen nothing that has changed that takes me away from that thesis and I am still bullish on the banks.
4: I agree with everything Tim just said. I think, you know, had the banks been where they were six weeks ago when they were much higher, this would have been a complete non-event. They were just, the bar was so low going into this. I also agree, Citibank, that's a very big buyback. I mean, 17.6 billion for them is over 10% of the float. So, and that's gonna be very accretive for them. So. City, you know, I've been a bull for a long time and it's just gone down every day for the last, whatever, 13 days until now. This is great, but it doesn't change the story. But it was up. Have at Here you go. Come Saturday on, buddy. I think,
0: I think, Come I think, on. I think. mean, sorry to cut you off, Karen. I think one of the <laughs> no, most. No, you the,
4: love cutting me off. <laughs> I
5: think the most
0: important thing is that you know if you, whatever you're pricing for the dividend last week is what you're pricing now, and I think the buy, the buyback. Obviously, you tell me what was the delta on what you were expecting? Was it 10 percent greater? You know what I mean? It's just it all is what it I was, is. I, I you know? was. We're
4: saying all the same yeah. thing. I don't think yeah. these. They're nice. It's yeah. great. So, I don't think so, the stock should have up, ever up, been here. Right. They're up after hours. I they would, suggest here. The, they were, they would suggest we're that they weren't go. priced RSI. in.
6: Oh, I mean, I they mean. were so oversold. Okay, right. well, but they're still up, so that means they weren't priced in. So this is new information. That's what the market's telling you. I think the buybacks are actually a pretty big deal. And they better be a big deal because the banks, as Dan has mentioned, are, have been wilting on the vine for the, most of the year. So you, these buybacks, I think, could be the thing that does spark the rally. I just want to say
3: something about banks, because I feel the need to defend the sector, even though, you know, it's not like this is where I live every day. Um, Banks have outperformed the S&P since the elections. Let's be clear. Barely. Tim, hold on. Okay, but but think of all the pushback I'm getting from I think the
0: S&P is up 27%. The XLF is up 27%. But, but why so, are we so, talking about banks because you're underperforming seeing massive underperformance at this stage in the cycle. You're seeing massive, seeing massive underperformance, underperformance when at multiple the yield times. curve is about to invert.
3: Now look uh, dan, dan we've we've seen the banks outperform then underperform, outperform underperform multiple times in the last 2 years. Bottom line, people saying that banks are underperforming, they're not. Okay? They if you are, well, pick well, your time period, see, you can you can I've have heard an argument. You seen this a lot over
0: the last look couple Look at the of charts.
3: Months. Yeah, they're both up
0: 27% since November 8th, 2016. Oh, actually, so banks they're are up more. in
3: lockstep. Banks are up more.
0: I don't believe so. Okay, the so I, you know, so so they're underperforming this year. They're underperforming by thirteen percent from the highs. On. I
3: get it, and that's the whole reason. Do I want to sell banks into the holdout? I mean, if anything, the fundamentals are the same as I said, and I think after being oversold, underperforming. By 13% since mm-hmm. the highs of the market in January. If that's Here's what you want to do, everybody who's been selling
0: banks all year long, now the banks are actually going to buy a
3: little bit more stock from you. How's
0: that? Yeah, okay. I'm not mean, talking about so, that. Uh, you know,
3: I'm talking about I, fundamentals for the banks okay. that, by the way, ha- continue to be very good. The valuations in a market where I think we're getting multiple compression for the S&P. The banking sector is the one place I feel really well, good about. Well, let me those ask
1: multiples. you then. I mean, if the multiples were, I mean, if, not the The fundamentals were the same three, three months ago, three right? weeks ago, whatever the time period right. is, and, yeah. and the bull case was there. Why do you think the shares haven't reacted better, Karen?
4: I, you know, they're not the, the whatever's in vogue. They clearly weren't in vogue. I, I don't believe that the market's always efficient. They shouldn't be here. That could persist for some time. I mean, we've seen that with other... We've seen whole industries move in a very big way, all in lockstep, which... which just you know well, momentum and you've stages. had you've had the
6: yield curve flattening right which yes, you know right. Tony Dwyer will tell you that the banks outperform when the yield curve first flattens but most people are sitting out there saying oh wait flat yield curve banks can't perform so actually I think this is an opportunity if they are going to start lending at a high at a bigger level more volume then it's actually an opportunity to buy the banks at these levels
0: I think the biggest problem that I have with this whole scenario in 2018 is that we have Fang again just going Gangbusters, and this is a group that people think it doesn't really matter what's going on in the U.S. economy, or the global economy. The secular shifts are in place, and they are absolute monom- monopolies. Okay, so the bank stocks are supposed to be the bank banking companies, the major beneficiaries from this tax cut that we got late last year. So why is it that we're seeing but, this crowding into this group of stocks that actually doesn't need the tax cut for you know for
3: growth? And you have the gr- the, the group that's supposed to be the biggest beneficiary acting like you know? I'll what? tell you, you why. First of all, I don't. I don't I don't think they're supposed to be the major beneficiary. I don't know where you're getting that. Really? I think, yes, really. Your banks I think, are I, the
0: lifeblood of an you're, economy? You're
3: the like? one saying that. I would put it more towards I, manufacturing I mean, companies. I, I would that put crap it more every towards. Every day ca- in the Wall Street Journal and on this network. I think you just used the C word. Well, look, the bottom line here is if you think about what banks have right now, I think they are the most levered to an economy. We've got 2% GDP uh, final in the first quarter, which, by the way, nothing to do cartwheels over. Best GDP of first quarter in seven years, okay? Uh, Banks are most levered to the economy. They are, to me, the sector that makes the most sense in a world where we see operational leverage in their businesses they've never been more efficient so I'm just going to tell you that I don't think banks have really underperformed all that much and I and I will tell you that I don't think you should be expecting miracles I would also say that the target's been taken off their back if anything that's what people got excited about banks were vilified rightly or wrongly and it's clear they're being allowed to do their business as usual
1: right here right now a dollar into banks or a dollar into energy
6: a dollar into banks better risk reward
1: Right here, right now, dollar into – oh, I'm not going to ask you. <laughs> dollar into banks or, or dollar into time?
3: What's, t- what's my time period, Mel? Six months. Six months, uh, I think energy's got more to do. Higher beta, though. Uh, and I think after this – right now, energy's had a huge run. If you told me two weeks, I'm in the bank trade all day long.
1: Does it matter, Karen, that it seems like everybody who comes on CNBC is – they're bullish banks. They recommend people go in banks or right. overweight banks. Yep. Where something like an energy, I picked that because there's yep. general yep. consensus that people are underweight energy exposure. Right.
4: Yes. I, I think there's something to that, though. But for me, I, I think the bank issue right now is so compelling. I don't, I don't care that it's out of favor right now. I, I totally agree with Tim also. The economy is so important for banks, and it's humming
1: along. All right. And they went up before today's Car results. Right. we were up today before that. For instant reaction to these uh, after our moves in the bank specifically, let's go off the charts to Todd Gordon of tradinganalysis.com. Hey, Todd.
7: Hey, Melissa. Uh, first, if we could take a look at Goldman. It was looking really strong just before we got on here. It was up around 225 here. You see we've given back some of the gains, only 223. So they're fading that buying a little bit. So obviously we have the old highs of the day here during the, the regular session. After hours we came up, tested that, beginning to back off, essentially going back to the closing price. So potentially right now a non-event. So Goldman, though, if we can kind of look at the significance of these support levels, it's real. And I'm listening intently in the conversation you guys are having about underperformance of, of the yesterday s p um, or of the financials. And if we look at the next few charts, I think I might be able to put it in context here. So if you look at Goldman, I mean, just a massive underperformer here. But we've tested this 210 to 215 zone of support in Goldman, and they really came after it on the downside with some real momentum, tried to get through it. And it looks like we're starting to hold. So if you remember, we went 225 bid, 223. But as long as we're above 210 area, this massive support shelf um, is intact. So Goldman, though it's a massive underperformer within the financials, which is underperforming the S&P. I, I don't want to get in the middle of this debate. I know you guys like to hunt technicians out here, especially Dan. But if you look at the S&P XLF ratio in 2018, that ratio is moving up. Okay, XLF over S&P is moving down. Financials have been underperforming the S&P for all of 2018. It's very clear when you look at a simple ratio chart. Goldman is one of the, uh, is one of the clear laggards within a weak um, financial space. JP on the other side looks a little bit more positive than Goldman. You can see we're up 2%, which is a nice $2 pop here through the 105 level, not fading any of those gains like Goldman was. JP is staying bid here, so that looks good. And I think when we put it in the context of the chart that goes back, um, you're going to see a little healthier chart. This JP chart looks just like the XLF. Those are the financials. Let me do my best here. XLF. Um, We've got this kind of support shelf that has approached Um, in a less kind of um, severe angle, unlike Goldman. So JP looks very good. We held above the 105 area here. We're holding that little bit after hours. I think JP actually looks a little bit more constructive if you want to hold it. The one thing, though, I've got to push back on, though, is everyone is telling us rates are going higher. I'm a simple-minded technician. I look at this chart. I'm like, what is this? That is just a simple head and shoulders pattern. Rates are supposed to be bid, bid, bid. But what is this? It's a high. It's a higher high. It's a lower high. We failed. That's all it is, is lack of upside momentum, which is just a head and shoulders. So if we start to move down around that 2.7 percent in yields, I don't know. I don't think this this yield, uh, this rally recovery in in yields is going to continue. And uh, we might be looking for a recovery in bonds. So that could be a headwind to those financials. But again, XLF is underperforming S&P in 2018. And if this market does roll over, I think they're going to continue to hit those financials.
1: So um, combine this, the two things that you're just talking about in terms of the XLF chart and the Treasury yield chart, yeah. what is the relationship when you take a look at this yield and the potential rollover to 2.7 percent? Does that make you concerned? The, the, what has history shown us?
7: Melissa, such a great question. If you could actually just take the XLF and overlay it on this chart, and you would actually see that XLF, if we did it like kind of an overlay, you'd see XLF is all. all Oh, there we go. Perfect. Well done, guys. Whoa. You can see That's that cool. um, XLF has already made a 2018 low. I think the break was around 26, 27. That's at a new low where look at here in orange, the yields have not made a new low. And sometimes you can get those stocks leading the bonds, leading the fixed income market as a leading relationship in intermarket analysis. So, you know, if there's anything, the financial have anything to say about it. 2.8 becomes 2.6 becomes 2.4. Um, So I think finances are telling us bonds might be going the other way, which are up and down in yields.
1: All right, Todd, thank you. Thanks for your analysis. Todd Gordon of tradinganalysis.com. So let's go through these individual names. J.P. Morgan, you're long. And the stock is holding its gains in the after hours. And it's a, yeah, it's 107 I just saw in the after hours.
4: I I like J.P. Morgan a lot. Obviously, it's the premier name. But to me, Citi is the most compelling in terms of valuation.
3: Yeah, I I think it's. City or Bank of America. And I think those are the valuations that make the most sense. And, and, and I would argue, I actually agree with Todd on, and I think I brought this up yesterday. I think that 10-year could be a head and shoulders, could be having rates go lower. Um, but banks don't need the 2s-10 spread uh, to go to infinity to, to be making a lot of money. And people that couldn't find the spread on a map are, are quoting this for the last six months. I'm telling you, in a flat yield curve, banks' of shares have had some of their best years ever. Look at 2006. Look at you know, 2002, I, you know, Look at I 2018.
0: It. I, they're not having <laughs> a great year. They're down 4% and, and to the S&P, going, S&P Dan. It's Is that the narrow spread between the two and the 10s in September 2007, and they're not having a good in, in year. And all the death so and pain, they're down really 4.5% to the S&P. You know, Simple to Todd, S&P. he, he I, was know. charting some stuff here, and he showed us that head and shoulders on the 10-year. That chart looks like every one of the bank charts. It looks like
3: every single one. He was, we just overlaid the SLF. It didn't look the same. Yeah, they did. didn't look the same. I'm, I'm looking at all of them right now. He just showed it. Every Ian, bank chart point? looks the same I
0: mean, way. What are the They're viewers think? We are lower point? highs and lower lows. They have a neckline, which was the breakout level from last fall. Okay? <laughs> so every single one, they all look the same. The so same he just chart. told us he thinks rates are going lower because that looks like a head and shoulders top.
6: Well, I tell you that every one of those bank charts looks exactly the same. I don't know about that. I mean, so I, I, you have to take the 10-year, it's interesting to look at. But there's other factors out there. I mean, you've got a strong dollar. You've got a great relative value trade I can buy 10-year bonds versus German bonds where would you rather be I'd rather get 2% 2 2.7 percent in German bonds so I don't think that has anything to do with what's going on in the US economy plus Look shorter term on the rates, right? I'm looking three-month LIBOR, two-year rates, where the banks are more levered to, where when the Fed raises rates, they can raise the interest rates on their loans. To me, those are still high. Two, two-year notes are still basically at the highs. They haven't made a second higher high. So I don't buy that argument one bit. Can I say it differently? If I, if I look at where I see
3: more risk, and let's just talk about the market. Do I see more risk in owning financials or owning semis right here? I would actually rather own financials.
1: Wells Fargo, that's something we haven't talked about yet. Anybody take a look at these results, which were much better than expected. This seems to be the big winner in the after-hours session. I
3: I think Wells Fargo, because of their transgressions with their consumer banking and and the sentiment on the stock, people thought that they would be punished by the Fed. The Fed doesn't punish them uh, based upon that. The regulators might. The Fed's all about the balance sheet. I'm not surprised this happened. I mean, I think it's
6: fine. The one thing that I would add to these, though, and where I agree with Complex Dan, if is tomorrow <laughs> these banks sell off like Goldman did, yeah. that's a terrible sign. So, Goldman's that, a little different, though. Well, You're I'm not just saying that, you know, Goldman was up, it sold off. I'm saying price action across the board. For not, the sector in uh, general. For the uh, sector in, in general, general. If these things cannot hold here, then Complex Dan's going to be Who, right. Who's the other side of Complex Dan? Simple Todd. Yeah. Well, he claimed yeah. himself to be he Simple He
0: called himself yeah. Simple Todd. Yeah. Self-proclaimed Simple Todd. Let's make that clear. I mean, Todd should never go full technician. That's <laughs> He's a simple technician.
1: Coming up, coming up. Stocks on track for their worst week in three months, and one classic theory could be signaling more trouble ahead. We will explain. Plus, speaking of trouble... Pharmacy stocks getting absolutely crushed today after Amazon makes a big acquisition in the space. But if history is any guide, this could be a good time to buy those beaten down stocks. We've got the details. And later, the man who called the Bitcoin decline is back. And he says the worst isn't over yet for the cryptocurrency. He'll explain how low it can go and the one coin he's buying right now. We are live from Times Square in New York City. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Transports have hardly been trucking along in the last month. The majority of stocks in the Dow Transports Index tanking in that time.
3: Sweet <laughs> Airline stocks
1: Jerry. have hit some serious turbulence, the worst in the grouping. American Airlines down 15%. Delivery giant FedEx is tanked 10%. While rail stocks have also fallen with Kansas City Southern down 6%. Investors have also slammed the brakes on trucking and freight stocks like J.B. Hunt down 6% in the last month. And if you're familiar with the classic Dow theory, which I know you are, but here's a reminder, this could all be a warning sign for the market. While the Dow rallied today, the transport still fell for a sixth straight day. Over the last month, the transports have lagged the Dow so are any of these moves overdone and are the transports hinting at trouble for stocks more broadly Dan
0: well I think it's an extension of the conversation we were just having and it really means why has uh, you know the 10-year yield not gone up anymore and I think that's a bit of a reflection of, of the feeling of growth and when you talk about a company like FedEx or NSC Northern Southern these are companies that benefit from a roaring economy even a global economy and so when you look at FedEx drop to $225 in a matter of weeks, it might be idiosyncratic or it might be something else. If you look at NSC, right, a big rail, it just made a huge double top. What is that telling us, too? So I think this is all part of a big pastiche here that you may want to start paying attention Hmm. to a little bit. That's a Max Myers term.
4: (laughs) (laughs) But that's the way I think about
0: it. So I don't think the transports are leading anything in the terms of like old-timey sort of way. I (laughs) think it fits into the, the grotter.
4: I'm wondering, though, if the Dow theory has moved from being being a precursor to more of a coincidence, mm. right? I mean, you know, they've gotten crushed in the in the very recent past. S and P also not crushing it lately. So, <laughs> I mean, to me, those are, I, I, I think kind of. Oh, I look at FedEx here. That seems overdone to me. I am long the airlines, yeah. well, that's been wrong. So but,
3: I, I would bring that up. I mean, arrows Arizona neon shining marquees out on Main Street. Chicago. All right, so we're quoting trucking. Um, FedEx, to me, has been trucking uh, for, for the last two years. And, and I think, ultimately, this company is the most efficient transport. I think they've, been, they've made ac- acquisitions in TNT. The stock is scary. It's through the 200. But it's at a level here where it's bounced
6: five times in the last six months. Mm. I'd buy FedEx here. Yeah, I think FedEx was overdone, and particularly the way that it acted today on all the Amazon news and the way the market acted this morning. That reversal, to me, is very interesting. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know, as is, is bearish as I want to be, we still have 2.5 percent GDP. The 10-year's at 2.7 percent or so. That's where it's supposed to be. 10-year's supposed to reflect what the long-term economy is, 2.5 percent. At 2.5 percent,
1: FedEx can make money. Coming up, check out shares of Nike. That stock is surging in the after hour session. We'll hear from the CEO about its recent management shakeups and business in China right after this. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, first in business worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast.
6: Yeah, that's what happened to pharmacy stocks today as Amazon's Death Star disrupted yet another industry. But it could be giving traders an
9: unlikely buying opportunity. We'll explain. Plus, we're looking at about 6,250 as the next point, and if it goes under that, we're going to test 5,900.
6: The man who called the decline in Bitcoin will tell us where he sees it going next, and the unlikely cryptocurrency he's buying right now.
5: That's when Pass money
6: returns.
5: Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy.
1: Welcome back to Fast Money. Amazon on its way to disrupting another industry, buying online pharmacy PillPack. And that sent retail pharmacy stocks tumbling today, or Bob Pisani's at the New York Stock Exchange with that story. Hey, Bob.
10: Hello, Melissa. Amazon's acquisition of PillPack has resulted in the usual panic among healthcare investors. Amazon's invading pharmacy stocks like Walgreens, Rite Aid, CVS. Look at this. (laughs) They're all down big today. But so are the drug wholesalers of McKessons, the Cardinal Health, Amerisources. Look at these 4%, 5 6% declines. Even pharmacy benefit managers like Express Scripts were down a little bit. That's a little harder to figure out. Is this the end of the pharmacy business? Look, Amazon is going to move as quickly as possible to sell prescription drugs. That's very obvious. So there's certainly some risk to pure play pharmacies. But this is really a couple years out. The bigger worry, this is my opinion, is they could down the road subsidize lower drug prices to get market share. Remember, they did lower some food prices when they bought Whole Foods. That's a risk. Selling pharmacy benefit managers, nah, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me because they still have to play with them to get access to the drugs. Now, of course, everyone thinks that something else is going to happen. There's another shoot of fall. That after setting up a, a new nonprofit, remember that partnership they did with J.P. Morgan and Berkshire? There's got to be something coming, some stage two. That's what everybody's trying to figure out. So I guess PillPack could build out a larger mail order prescription business. But again, that's down the road a bit. To a certain extent, you know, we've seen this movie before. Remember what happened when Amazon announced it bought Whole Foods? That was June 16, 2017. Look, I mean, all of the grocery stocks got destroyed. Kroger dropped 30 percent, I'm not kidding, in just a couple days around that. Costco even dropped 10 percent. And Walmart and Target, they were all down. But you look here, just all of these stocks have come round trip, and they're all back to their previous levels. So... The thinking is, and I think this is probably likely, too, this will follow a similar pattern, at least initially. Waves of selling followed by some recovery. Back to you, Melissa.
1: All right, Bob, thank you. Bob Pisani at the NYSE. So we thought this might be a good time to roll out a brand new game. New game. New game. Yes, Fantastic. new game. We Yay. are calling this game Prime Deal or Amazon. The rules are very simple. Sounds like an old game. The rules Sorry. are simple. We'll go around the horn on the pharmacy and drug distributor stocks. You tell us if you think today's price drop is a prime deal. In other words, you buy here at these levels. Or if it's been Amazoned, meaning it's pretty much left for dead. Ah, Get it? Mm. Very clear, so. right? Deny All right. It. Who's Say first? They um, really show. first. Oh. We kick it off with CVS, prime deal, or Amazoned.
3: Okay. A lot of pressure on me to play the game right. Um, I'm going to do this right. They are Amazoned. And, and my view here is, look... A lot of a, a lot of discussion has gone into the whole retail pharmacy space. Um, I think there's a new model. I think there's a new reimbursement model. I think the Aetna deal is positive for these guys. I think the retailization of healthcare actually could be good for these guys. But I tell you what, you cannot compete with Amazon in this space, and I think... Forget drugs. People are not going to CVS for a lot of the other stuff that they're buying on Amazon, so it continues.
1: Isn't that bigger part of their business the PBM part of the business and and mail-order drugs? I forget the split
4: now, though, with that, no, then, you know, that's a a different business, but that'll be more drug-focused. I I agree with Tim on this. I think, though, that that the problem here isn't even so much Amazon, (sighs) because this is a tiny thing. It's more that the opacity in the business, in the PBM business, has been... Ridiculous, right? right. That's,
1: that's what's going to be changing. Dan, did you understand that's the word opacity? Amazon,
3: just in case you did. He's I can, complex, Dan. Yeah, Dan's
1: really he yeah. opacity.
5: Sorry.
1: I can see right through. So, it. is there a <laughs> level of regulatory risk involved for I the PBI? I think so. Yeah.
4: I, even if it's not regulatory, just Smart if in. that,
1: I think it's evolving that way. Transparency has to come. It cannot be good for the PBI. All right. The next one is Right Aid and Karen's turn. Yes. Uh, okay. Prime Deal or Amazon? Okay, Amazon. Wow! Ironically,
4: okay. they're merging with Albert, Albertsons, but they may not. That's sort of up in the air whether or not shareholders approve that. They're also uh, Amazon so and they're merging, <laughs> and they got a lot of debt, oh, yeah. and uh, you know, uh, and you got the, the
1: the the drug part of it. Same story. Amazon. Yeah. yeah. She double, yeah. Yeah. double, yeah. double Amazon, Yeah. Double Amazoned. I mean, do you agree with this on Rite Aid? Yeah. <laughs> I knew you'd wow, say. Wow, great color. <laughs> All right, great we're going to move on here. So Walgreens is okay. the next and stock. This is, term. this is, of course, the newest Dow stock. Prime deal or Amazon for WBA? BK. You know what? I'm, I'm going to be a contrarian and I'm going to say prime deal. We'll buy it here.
6: So I think there's an opportunity for them to. Shift their business and actually be your local convenience store. Yes, they're going to get hurt on the drugs. That—that That is, there's no question. But that's what this sell off today was about. So I'm talking about a short term type of trade here, not two years. I don't know what's going to happen to these guys in two years. But I think today was overdone and there's opportunity here. So you prime it. But BK, isn't this the exact same chart as Rite Aid and It's the same as CBS? all of them, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm trying so to say much different. Well, here. Would well you nobody have, asked me about the other ones. You would have said so. Prime <laughs> yeah. you would have I would said prime have said deal Prime ones. One it's the same theme. Okay. Yeah.
9: All right. All
1: right. Um so I don't you know why, I feel like we know what Dan's gonna say. No, you But don't. Dan is up next. But he's complex. Cardinal, so. He is complex, he so never Sometimes. quite know. Cardinal Health, Prime Dealer Amazon. Amazon, but it's a bit nuanced for
0: a complex guy like me. <laughs> and I'm to tell you why here. Well, first things first, and you know about all my ailments, right? And if you use a specialty <laughs> pharma company, what we were just that talking mean? about so We soap. all, and why does Karen we all, all <laughs> of us We discussing If you guys are routine drugs from these things, you realize that it is just a really not a user-friendly experience. And I think Amazon sees that that as the opportunity to go and fix that because we're all really conditioned um, to buy things. The only thing I'll say is this, is mm-hmm. that, you know, Cardinal Health is a company that's going to have $130 billion in sales and they have like 5% gross margins on those sales. You know, Jeff Bezos famous, famously was like, his comment was, their margin is my opportunity. This is a scale thing for them and I think they want to disrupt this entire business. So I don't think it's going to be such an easy one for Amazon, but it's going to be very disruptive for these companies because they cannot afford to have earnings pressure. And you you know what let me just tell you that this is the first down year in eps um, for cardinal right. in the last few years
1: for more coverage Great on game. amazon's latest deal to buy pill pack and what major retailers uh, was dragging to its feet to make the deal first you can head over to cnbc.com for that story cool coming up take a look at where we stand with nike the stock is now at its after hours highs as the company conference calls underway we'll hear from the ceo right after this break plus more trouble brewing at starbucks oh. the stock taking a hit once again today this time after the CFO announces his retirement, traders are betting shareholders are about to get even more burned. Much more on that. Fast Money Head. <laughs> Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out shares of Nike. It's surging in the after session, up by uh, more than 8.5%. Let's get to Sarah Eisen, who's been monitoring the company's conference call from the floor of the New York Stock huh. Exchange. Hey, Sarah, what's the latest?
11: Hi, Melissa. Certainly, investors like what they see from Nike. Notably, a return to growth in North America up 3%. That was key. It is the biggest market. 35% revenue growth for China. One weak spot in this report was actually the Jordan brand, which saw the business and volumes shrink during the quarter. Mark Parker addressed that on the earnings call just moments ago, says he's optimistic. Listen.
8: This quarter, we nearly tripled the size of Jordan's women's sneaker business. Jordan Apparel was up double digits in all GOs, and the Jordan brand in China was up nearly 50%. These are the areas where we see exponential growth and we will continue to focus
11: picked that one because it was one source of weakness that investors are a little bit worried about. But overall, the basketball business did grow double digits. The tax rate was a lot lower from Nike, only paid 6.4% taxes versus 13.7%, thanks in part to the tax cuts. And guess what? That resulted in a $15 billion buyback program, just a sweetener on top of what was already very good results, both in the growth market of China and in the slow growth market of North America. MARK PARKER, JUST FINISHING THE the OPENING REMARKS, AND MELISSA, INTERESTINGLY, DID NOT ADDRESS THE CORPORATE CULTURE SCANDAL THAT LED TO THE DEPARTURE OF 11 EXECUTIVES. HE MENTIONED it AT THE TOP OF THE CALL IN MARCH, WHEN IT WAS SORT OF UNFOLDING, TREVOR EDWARDS, THE NUMBER TWO, USED TO TAKE A LOT OF THE QUESTIONS AND LEAD A LOT OF THE CONFERENCE CALLS. HE'S NOT GOING TO BE THERE ANYMORE, IS LEAVING IN AUGUST, SO IS NO LONGER ON THE CALL. No mention of that. Clearly, Nike shareholders didn't seem to mind. The stock is one of the best performers in the Dow this year. Right, that buyback certainly helps. Karen's got a question here. Yeah,
4: Sarah, have they talked at all about any fears about China, any kind of trade? Blowback? Blowback, yes. Anything that they are seeing or think they'll see?
11: Not in the opening remarks, but clearly this is a question that analysts will probably ask and investors have on their minds. So far, there have been no tariffs on Footwear AND APPAREL BACK AND FORTH BETWEEN THE U.S. AND CHINA. BUT OBVIOUSLY, if, it, IF THIS ESCALATES, AS WE HAVE SEEN, THEN THAT COULD BE CAUGHT IN THE CROSSHAIRS. AND FOR NIKE, IT'S REALLY A ONE, TWO PUNCH, BECAUSE WITH 35% REVENUE GROWTH, THE CUSTOMER FOCUS IS KEY IN CHINA, BUT ALSO, AS YOU KNOW, THE MANUFACTURING IS KEY AS WELL. MOST OF THE footwear AND APPAREL IN THIS COUNTRY FROM NIKE AND OTHER MAKERS COMES FROM CHINA. Vietnam, a lot of places in Asia as well. So that's going to be a key concern, but so far hasn't impacted the results, and mm-hmm. the company's not talking about it.
1: All right, Sarah, we will let you uh, jump on that conference call again. Thanks for the Thanks. latest. Sarah Eisen at the New York Stock Exchange. You're a shareholder. Are you yeah. worried about that?
3: No. I, I mean, i tell you what. First of all, apparel alone is 32 percent. North American apparel is 32 percent of revenues. Um, the, the the reversal sequentially in North America is nothing short of astounding. Okay? They were struggling in North America up 5.6. That's an 860 basis point reversal. Um, the margins continue to be very good. I, I, look, I, think, I think this story continues to get better. They've reset the inventory position, and Mel, you're wearing, you know, chicks are wearing more Jordans these days. So, I mean, you got a pair?
1: Apparently. Do you yeah. have a pair of Jordans? I bet, I bet Kate
3: Fine
6: does. I, I don't. Really? Because you have Pumas.
3: I, I mean,
4: have Pumas, yeah. She wears
6: cool sneakers, everybody. Maybe no you should buy Pumas. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's a its a tremendous move, right? We're up 6% after hours. It's got got—it's been in a Four nice now, uptrend. It does not appear that the investors are concerned at all about China. I mean, it's a good point. But people don't seem to be worried about it one bit. Good
1: read-through for UA, FL. I mean,
0: think about it. Right now, I mean, you have the World Cup coming on, you get into the NFL. Um, You know, I think the setup in Nike was really interesting, and it kind of consolidated. 70 was resistance for months and months. It broke out. It ran ahead of it. it came back to that level, and then you just have that one reversal in, like, North American. Um, I would say this, like, going forward. The Jordan thing is kind of interesting, because if I ask my kids who Michael Jordan is, they don't know who Michael Jordan is. They're, like, 12 and 14. Mm -hmm. And at some point, I'm just saying that becomes a real issue if, you know, Steph's still over there. You wait. No, I'm, come on, people. I'm no, just saying no, it's I, a yeah. I, <laughs> That's I, a very exactly. – good gonna and complex point. I'm going to save my comments. You Your make.
3: daughters are – exactly. It's a simple so, point. It's, it's actually <laughs> complex. I, I, do, I do think that the reference to who Michael Jordan is, I mean, the fact of the matter is that Jordans are a major part of the story yeah. here, and, and the whole athletic line. And the, the innovation in sneakers is where Nike has always made their mark, and I think they're doing it again.
4: It's interesting to me, you know, uh, Under Armour yes. is only up a little bit. I don't know if people think, oh, okay, share is now
1: going to Nike, going to away Nike and maybe also
4: maybe away from Adidas, which seems to be fading a little mm-hmm. bit. Foot Locker up a few, 3%.
1: You've been in Foot Locker. You were in Foot Locker for a long time. Been
4: in Foot Locker. Terrible last year. Great this year. Still in it. It's, it's the cheapest, but it should be. The brands should be more expensive than the distributor. Okay. All right.
1: I think we're going to break here. Yep, coming up. <laughs> Starbucks on track for its worst month since 2012. As issues at the company just keep piling up, traders are betting on more pain ahead for the coffee giant. We'll tell you how they see it going, how low they see it going. Plus, Bitcoin falling below 6,000 moments ago. This man, you see there, him there, has been dead on when it comes to his crypto calls. He called the decline earlier this month. You won't believe how low he sees Bitcoin going next and the one coin he is buying right now. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Starbucks feeling the heat today with the stock now on track for its worst month since 2012. This after the company's CFO
8: announced that he is retiring this fall. For more on this, let's get to Kate Rogers back at headquarters. Hi, Kate. Hi, Melissa. That's right. Starbucks this morning announcing its chief financial officer and executive vice president Scott Ma will be retiring in November, a surprising move that sent shares lower today. Now, the company said it would be launching an external review for a new CFO to replace Ma, who's been in that role since 2014 and with the company since 2000. Ma will stay on as a senior consultant through the end of March 2019, earning $250,000 per month. That's according to regulatory fil- filings Rather, from today. It's also the latest high-profile departure from the company. Former executive chairman Howard Schultz stepped down from that role earlier this week after announcing his decision last month. Ma was at the Oppenheimer Conference with CEO Kevin Johnson last week when the company announced it was cutting its Q3 global guidance from 3% to 1%. Globally and also closing about 150 underperforming stores in the U.S. next year, it typically closes about 50 per year, facing uh, increased competition and flat traffic. Now, in a statement, CEO Johnson said today, quote, as we enter our next phase of continued growth, I am confident in the finance team that Scott has developed and I am appreciative of his willingness to support the through, through the transition into new leadership. analysts today seemed surprised at the move. Sarah Senator from Bernstein saying it appeared that it might not be entirely voluntary on behalf of Ma. Also, Nicole Miller-Reagan of Piper Jaffray writing that there is some consolation in the fact that Ma will be on during the transition. But from a stock perspective, the announcement is disappointing as it is a potential disruption to the recovery at Starbucks this year. Melissa, back over to you.
1: All right, Kate. Thank you, Kate Rogers at the newsroom. Um, Starbucks already faced so many headwinds uh, in terms of growth and now a major departure. Yeah,
3: uh, although do I own Starbucks because of the CFO? I, I don't think so. And I think this is a very replaceable position. I don't think this person was involved in strategy or in terms of the vision of the company. I think this is someone who had to be very much a technocrat. I think there's other people out there. Look, the stock you? is now 18 times 2019 of about 280. You, at what point is enough enough? I mean, granted, I mean, I've been I in there know. for the last ten bucks.
6: You've got, you've buck got one, of the, one of the, the best CEOs of all time saying, you know what, I'm out of here. And then just a few weeks later, all of a sudden, the CFO leaves. I mean, it just when there's where there's smoke, there's fire. And I don't think you have to you rush your Starbucks is jumping so out of a burning you're, building. You're looking at he's, he's uh, got, no. He's got but the CFO, what's going on? Why? A, a CFOs Why leave all the time. time? Why are you connecting two weeks after that? It doesn't seem right. No, but let's just. Let's out. just say, okay, he's pushed right. out, but, but the let's, just, had let's just oscillated. take it this way. They're now turning around the company, and they have to hire a new C-suite.
1: That's not a place I want to be. But if he was pushed out... Does that make you feel any better, or yeah? I mean, listen. It I think the timing—none of,
0: it, it. of it's great—but yeah. I think Tim's point is like, when's the last time this thing is traded in the teens on a multiple of, of forward earnings? Not in a very long time. And if they are able to get some things—25 billion of capital
3: return in the next, you know, to 2020. I mean, there's support under the stock, and valuation does matter here at some point. This is a global brand. I, you know, I'm not happy about what's happened, but you know, ultimately, I think this is an overreaction.
4: No, the question I think isn't—is this CFO leaving or not? It's is he leaving because they've got some bad news coming up right. and they're going to pin it on somebody and he's and that's what it's about the p- potential for the bad
1: news i agree but how does this bad a great news company pinned they can get a CFO. they can get a fantastic cfo i have no doubt they yeah. could get a great one well, is betting the pain is just beginning for Starbucks. Dan, why don't you head over to the plaza and sure. down for
0: I us. I mean, on a day this stock got smoked, options activity was pretty hot, about two and a half times average daily volume. And what Mel's referring to um, was some options activity and puts, and it appeared to be a roll down. It could be uh, a hedge against position. Again, we just talked about all this news that's come out over the last month and a half or so, but they're also going to be reporting earnings in late July. And so if you're trying to stick with this one, Tim, you may want to think about some protection uh, below. Believe- the market um, a little bit. So let's just talk about the trade that I thought was pretty interesting today when the stock was trading um, at about uh, I don't even know where it was trading, but there was a buyer of the July uh, 47 puts paying 68 cents um, for those. And really what's interesting to me about that is just the protection level. We're getting to kind of some levels here where the support is much lower um, because we've had this long consolidation here um, and then this breakdown. And then when you look at it on a ten-year chart, this is a level I'm kind of talking about. It takes you all the way back to 214 when it really started to ramp, and this is when that global growth story, specifically China, really started to kind of um, take hold a little bit. So this thing is in a free fall, and there's some room to go, and I just want to make one other point as far as Option prices, this is implied volatility um, in Starbucks here. With the stock going this way, option prices have gone that way. And it's becoming increasingly hard to make um, directional long premium bets, meaning owning calls or owning puts, um, to do that because you're paying a whole heck of a lot for that. But as the stock goes lower, I think to Tim's point, valuation should become a really good support level.
1: All right. Thanks for that, Dan. For more Options Action, check out the full show. It's tomorrow at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Coming up, the Bitcoin nightmare rages on as a top Bitcoin watcher who called the decline says there's more pain ahead. He will explain next. We are live from a very rainy, very dark Times Square in New York City. Much more Fast Money right after this. Yeah you know that? Yep. Sound of crickets. The crypto buyers are nowhere to be found. The Bitcoin bear market continues. Trading volumes remain low, but Bitcoin has now fallen below 6,000. So how low will Bitcoin go? Our next guest correctly called these low levels when he was with us back in June.
9: We're looking at about 6,250 as the next point. And if it goes under that, we're going to test 5,900.
1: Let's welcome back Ran Nooner, founder of Onchain Capital, the host of CNBC Africa's Crypto Trader. Ran, welcome back. Good
9: to see you. So good to be here. And the market is at 5,900, as I called it the last time 50, I was here. Yeah. And so now what? Now what are you looking for? What levels? Look, unfortunately, the same model that told us that we're going to 5,900 is telling us that there's more blood to come. It's calling a 62 percent chance of a bear market. And a bear market means that we're going to test 53.50 as the next point and there's a 62% chance of that. There's about a 16% chance of a bull market, but to confirm the bull market, we're gonna need to test 7400 with high volume. So right now, my money is on the market continuing to go down and going down to about 53.50, which is the next stop. And the time horizon there is in about the next two weeks.
1: You know, the the mining cost of Bitcoin is reportedly right around these levels at this point, Rand. How does that factor in, if at all?
9: It's a huge factor, but what's going to happen is when the miners find that it's not viable for them to mine, what they're going to do is they're going to switch off their machines and there's going to be fewer machines in the ecosystem and the machines that are left are actually going to continue to mine. So we are at those levels. We received some notifications from some of the miners that they have already switched off their machines. So we're there and the miners are switching off their machines and there's going to be a, a fewer number of miners with the same amount of mining.
6: Say, so Rand, it's BK. So, let's go back to this mining issue, because I've never really been a believer that, the, that going below production cost has any impact on price. Because every 10 minutes, we still get 12 and a half Bitcoin. So, how does this have – the supply remains exactly the same whether we have 1,000 miners or two miners. So, how does that impact price? Yeah,
9: so, so, what happens is that most of the miners don't mine for themselves. They're mining these syndicates or these pools. And how these syndicates work, pretty simply, it's the same thing as if we all buy a lottery ticket, or we, we each buy a lottery ticket, and we say that if we win the lottery, we'll share the winnings between us. Now, if there are 10 of us which have got a lottery ticket, we have to split the lottery winnings between 10 of us. But if two of us switch off the machines, then we split the winnings between eight of us. So that means that the miners that can't afford to mine will switch off their machines, and the mining, the, the mining bounty that remains will be split between less machines which will make it viable again for the less machines. What I can tell you is that there's going to be a lot less investment in new mining infrastructure because it's not viable to buy the machines to put them in the mining infrastructure today. Hey, Rand, it's Tim.
3: Um, I think theoretically it, it, uh, cost of production only means something if there's real demand on it, but that's not my, my point. Um, you think it's going lower. I'm curious how you would play that. And, and in fact, you know, do you see people taking short positions out there, or, in fact, how would you recommend people do that if they think it's going lower?
9: So I always say the same thing. It depends on your time horizon. If you understand the technology and you're a bull, then now is a great time to be buying. We know that there were 20, 27,000 blockchain startups in 2017. In the first six months of 2018, there are 28,000 blockchain startups. There's a huge venture capital scene and the blockchain is progressing and this thing isn't going away. That's if you're a long-term bull. If you're day trading or you're trading in the next week or two weeks, I'm calling 5350 in the next week or two, and so you could possibly take a uh, short position, and you could. there's probably 10% in it. Oh, so that 5350
1: call that you're making, that's that's short term. I mean, that's the next seven days or so.
9: That's the next two weeks.
1: Like the next two weeks. Okay. What is the one coin that you would buy right now, Ran?
9: One coin? Well... I'm looking at infrastructure, and I'm looking at the infrastructure or the blockchain plays, the protocols, and they seem to be really undervalued. And that's the base layer of this whole blockchain. So it's a toss-up for me between two coins. The one coin is Neo, which is the Chinese blockchain or the Chinese version of Ethereum, and the other coin for me is Cardano or ADA, which is it's a, a protocol level, it's a protocol, a blockchain protocol, which I think is highly undervalued.
1: All right, Rand, great to see you. Thanks for your time. Good to see you. Thank you very much. Rand Nooner of CNBC Africa's Crypto Trader. Brian, what do you think of his two coin picks?
6: Uh, I think they're fine. I mean, I think they're, they're you know, Neo is, is, they call it the Chinese Ethereum. Um, you know, there's some interesting things about them. These things all trade together right now. There's high correlation. Um, it's extremely volatile. You look at 90-day rolling correlation on Bitcoin, it's 5%. So to get the 5,300 is like two days trading, right? So just, I think that's the, the point I'd make, is that this is extremely volatile. It's new technology. And just, you know, you got to be able to deal with the volatility.
1: Up next, final trades. Final trade time, Tim.
3: So we talked a lot about banks tonight. And frankly, you know, Dan's arguments were so compelling that, in fact, I decided (laughs) to do the opposite and buy Bank of America. (laughs) I think you should,
6: too.
4: Karen. Uh, On the heels of this Nike report, get it? The heels? Foot (laughs) Locker. will be a beneficiary of that. BK.
6: I think it would be wouldn't be a bad idea to buy some bonds here. TLT, you buy that one, Dan. Well, your bags better rally, but uh, after about a day or two, I'd sell them and oh,
0: then maybe look at sell that. again. Nice bookend <laughs> there. Uh, I'm Melissa Lee.
1: Thanks for watching. See you back here tomorrow at five. More fast, mad money starts right now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you.